Now we're celebrating Independence Day, the founding of America. And I believe America was founded on biblical principles. And God has blessed us down through the centuries as we have followed those principles. So I'd like us to watch a, a short video this morning called God Bless America before we pray for America. On this special day, Father, we come before you on this Independence Day and we thank you for your blessing on this country down through the centuries. We thank you for godly founders who created the principles based on your word that govern our nation. We thank you, God, for people who have followed those principles down through the years. We thank you for your blessing upon America, God for the freedom that we have to worship you here, for the gospel that has gone out through missionaries across the world as the greatest missionary-sending nation that's ever existed, God. And we pray, God, even today in the midst of difficult times in America, that you would bless America, that you would shed your grace upon America, that people would turn from their wicked ways and turn to you. We put our trust in you, God. May we let our light shine before you. May all believers let their light shine that people might glorify you and that our nation might turn back to God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about finding God's blessing. And so we desire for God to bless America, our nation, and so we long for God's blessing on our lives as well. So what is God's blessing? Well, God's blessings are the, the good gifts that he gives to us. And these blessings, they can be spiritual, they can be 
physical, they can be relational, even emotional. Forgiveness is a blessing. Healing is a blessing. Joy is a blessing. Family is a blessing. And we could go on and on. We have many things to be thankful for. Many things that God has blessed us with. The word blessing is used some 410 times in the Bible. And that indicates how important the word is. How do we receive God's blessing? Well, Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And so this was a conditional promise of God to Israel and to really all God's people down through the ages. God's blessing comes to those who obey God. Blessing was first given to the nation of Israel and it remains true to us or for us today. Interestingly, when you obey God, you don't have to chase after blessing. If you read that carefully, it says, the blessing shall come upon you and overtake you. It's like they're chasing you. As you obey God, the blessings will come and overtake you. What happens if you don't obey God? Well, the exact opposite, verse 15. If you will not obey the Lord, the voice of the Lord your God, to be careful to do all His commandments and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So that's the exact opposite. If you don't obey God's Word, then something else is going to chase you down that you don't want to chase you down. And these are curses which are the exact opposite of a blessing. Whereas a blessing is a good gift of God, a, a curse is something evil or bad that comes upon you. And uh, we don't want curses in our lives or anybody else's life. And so we want to obey God. The word curse is used some 230 times in the Bible. Uh, less than blessing, but it's, uh, it's there. None of us can perfectly keep God's command. So, in a sense, we were all under the curse of sin. The New Testament tells us in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come so we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And so the good news is that when we believe in Jesus, He forgives us, He removes the curse of sin, and takes us into blessing. And we continue to walk in the blessing of God as we obey God's Word, as we follow His Spirit. So today we're going to look back at the life of David and see how his obedience to God led to God's blessing in his life. We're going to learn some principles that will help us to see increased blessing in our lives as well. First of all, David believed God for the impossible. We're going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. Now last Sunday we talked about how David was running as a fugitive from Saul. And now we're jumping ahead. He's, he is king of Israel. And it says in verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. Thinking, don't, <clears throat> thinking David cannot come in here. So when David became king after Saul, Israel was 
facing serious challenges. He had to unite the north and the south. And so he felt God was calling him, and God was calling him, to establish Jerusalem as the capital city of the kingdom. However, the city of Jerusalem was under the control of a people called the Jebusites. It was a fortress city. It was on a high elevation. It was very easy to defend. And they had been there for a very long time. The Jebusites were confident that their city could not be captured. They thought it was impossible. They thought just some blind and lame people could ward off anybody who would come to attack it. And so, if David attacked Jerusalem and failed like everybody else had, he would, it wouldn't look very good at all. Uh, it would be a, a very negative thing for his, for his kingdom. And yet a normal attack seemed doomed to failure. It seemed impossible. What could he do? Well, it says, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. And David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind. He's kind of making a joke there. And so God led David to believe him and gave him the insight to send his soldiers to attack through a water shaft. Apparently there was a, some type of tunnel that led from a water source outside the city into the city of Jerusalem. Probably a narrow tunnel, perhaps underground, we don't know. And he led his men, his courageous soldiers, they, I'm speculating, they either swam, they crawled or waded through this water tunnel that nobody ever expected anybody to come through. I suspect it was a narrow tunnel and they didn't think anybody could get through. But they Soldiers came through that tunnel, surprised the enemy soldiers within their own city, and resoundingly uh, gained the victory. They had total surprise. And so David captured the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem became the most important city in the world. The name of the city of Jerusalem is, is uh, written, mentioned in the Bible over 800 times. David himself, it says, in verse 20, and David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. And so the blessing of God on David's life kept increasing. It was not because David was so great. Why did God's blessing increase in David's life? Because the Lord was with him. And why was God with David? Because David was following God's direction. David was believing God for the impossible he didn't know how to govern, but God showed him one step at a time. Now let's think for a minute about our own lives. Is, is, blessing the same as, is blessing the same as success in life? Well, the answer is it depends on how you define success. Blessings are good gifts from God. And success, the Bible defines as fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Now, everybody doesn't define uh, success as the same. Success in God's eyes may not be the same as success in man's eyes. Many people seem successful in our world. They may be rich. They may be famous. And they're not following God at all. That's not success in God's eyes. It may be success in man's eyes. We want to be blessed and find success in God's eyes. God wants you to believe Him for the impossible in your life. 
You see, God desires for us to do things that are impossible for us to do in our own strength. But He has the strength, He has the wisdom to enable us to do those things. And as you believe God and follow His direction and do some impossible things, God is going to bless you. And that blessing is going to increase. That blessing will empower you to keep on following God's plan for your life as you believe Him for the impossible. Next, David put God, God first. Second Samuel 6, verse 12. It was told David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And so the ark of the covenant was considered the dwelling place of God's presence. Inside the ark, among other things, were the Ten Commandments inscribed by God. Above the ark, there was the visible presence of God, called the Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies once a year. Now, through a series of events, the ark had been taken to a home of a man named Obed-Edom. And while it was there, God blessed Obed-Edom. We don't know exactly, but the guy was like super blessed. Everything he did, his family was super blessed because this ark was present in his house. But God's presence was not just for one household. It was supposed to be for the entire nation of Israel. Under King Saul, he had totally overlooked the ark. He could care less about the presence of God. He left it at the house of Obed-Edom. But when David came into the kingship, David wanted to put God first, and he decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the capital city of Jerusalem. And as he brought it in, it says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouting and with sounds of the horn. And so there was great rejoicing when this ark was brought into the city. Everybody knew the presence of God now was in the city of Jerusalem. David publicly danced before the Lord. He took off his, his kingly robes and had his linen ephod on and he danced and twirled and whatever he did in front of all the people. He, he really didn't care what people thought. He was rejoicing uh, that the presence of God was now within the city. The people shouted, they blew their horns. It was a time of great celebration. David, was, uh, David had taken the initiative to put God's presence in the rightful place in the city of Jerusalem. It says they brought, uh, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And so the ark was placed in a tent. The temple had not yet been built. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Sacrifices were offered by David at, at this tabernacle. And so the ark now of the covenant had been the, become the centerpiece of worship for the nation of Israel. David had put God first by bringing that ark into the capital city. He celebrated God's blessing. He sent 
uh, gave to everybody who attended, he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of raisins, a cake of dates. And uh, so they all celebrated and had a, had, a, had a feast day at the same time. Now, God no longer dwells above the Ark of the Covenant. Where does God dwell today? He dwells inside every believer. Uh, each believer is considered a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in a church family, which is also considered a temple of the Holy Spirit. So how do we put God's presence first in our lives today? Or perhaps we might ask, how do we abide and remain in God's presence? Well, we abide in God's presence through obedience. Already talked about that. And putting Him first. Disobedience separates us from the presence of God. We get back into God's presence when we disobey by repentance and asking for forgiveness. Praise and worship draws us into the presence of God. We praise and worship on Sunday mornings. You know, you can praise and worship on your own. You can praise and worship in your car. You can praise and worship in your home. Uh, you can praise and worship without shouting. Uh, you can praise and worship in all kinds of different ways. And as we do that, uh, as we become aware of the presence of God at work, at play, at home, we come more and more into the blessings of God. Finally, David sought to honor God. It says in Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, it says, Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And so the ark of the covenant had been in a tent when Israel was wandering in the desert so they could carry it. I mean, they couldn't make a building and carry a building around. And so David had placed it in the tent again as he brought it into Jerusalem. But he had a house to live in, a permanent dwelling, and he felt that God wanted a temple for the ark to be put in. And yes, that was part of God's plan for that period in history. And so David wanted to honor God by building this temple that the ark could be placed in. Now at first, Nathan the prophet, he said, okay, do whatever's in your heart. Uh, Nathan hadn't listened to God first. And so God then, that same night, it says, the word of the Lord came to, to Nathan. And the Lord spoke through Nathan to David and told him what the plan was. Well, the plan was not to, not to have David build the ark, but it says that when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, you shall come, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will maintain or establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David had been anointed by God as king. He'd been anointed to unify the nation of, of Israel. He'd been anointed to defeat its enemies. He'd established the capital city of Jerusalem. He placed the ark there. But it was not God's plan for him to build the temple. God had chosen his son, Solomon, to build the temple after David. And God would bring the blessings to David's descendants 
and his kingdom forever. And that prophecy was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, uh, in the line of David, who is ruling and reigning forever and ever. And so although David's desire to honor God by building the temple was a, a good desire, it was not granted by God, but David praised God anyhow that his son would be the one to build the temple. And if we read more of what David did, he prepared all the building materials and everything to, for Solomon to be ready to build the temple when he took over. And so David's heart was to honor God, to glorify God, and that pleased God. Now, the Bible teaches us that the primary reason we were created is to worship God and to glorify Him. And we do that in this life, and we're going to do that forever in heaven as well. To glorify God is to give Him honor, it's to serve Him. David, David uh, glorified God by desiring to build a temple, preparing for his son to build it. And how can we glorify God today? Well, let's just jump to one verse in the New Testament. Matthew 5, 16. It says, In the same way, let your light shine, this is Jesus, before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as a believer, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. And as we obey and follow God's direction in our words and deeds, that that glory shines through us. We let our light shine to the people around us. And as they see the things that we do that are godly, that are loving, that are kind, that are truthful, it brings glory to our Heavenly Father. We show God's love to others. We tell others God's truth. We bring others into God's family. And since our body is God's temple, then everything we do, everything we say, should bring glory to Him. That's His desire for our lives. And as we do that, His blessing comes into our lives in increasing dimension. And so today we've looked at some of the actions of David that resulted in God's blessing. These are the good things that David did. Uh, next Sunday we're going to look at some of the bad things that David did. And how he received God's forgiveness uh, for his sin. But we can learn about David's heart from his actions. Right now I'm reading through the book of Psalms again. And we can see his heart in the Psalms that he wrote. Uh, praising God. Praying to God. Seeking God. We see a man after God's heart. We ought to, as David, believe God for the impossible not impossible things we dream up. We could dream up all kinds of impossible things. You know, let me win the lottery. It's like, man, that's not God's dream for you. I might just tell you right off. Uh, there's all kinds of dreams you might have that are not of God, impossible dreams. But when God gives you a dream, you say, I can't do that. They say, it's my dream for you. I can strengthen you. I can make it happen. We believe God for the impossible, and God's going to help us do that. As we step out in courage, God's going to bless you with the strength to carry out His will. Put God in His presence first in your life. When we put God first, that means we're going to obey Him. Everything He asks us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, if we love Jesus, and we do, we're going to seek to keep His commandments. 
We're going to seek to honor God, to glorify Him, to let His light shine through us to others. We're tempted to hide our light sometimes and not let our light shine forth. But as we let our light shine forth, others are going to see it. They're going to glorify God. And as that happens, more of God's blessings will come into our lives. And we are blessed, not just to be blessed, but to bless others. And we need God's blessing in order to be a blessing to others. And so there's this ongoing cycle of being blessed and sending God's blessing to those around us. This morning I'm going to give an opportunity for each of us to repent or recommit your life to the Lord. You know, every Sunday I do this, I recommit my life to the Lord. That's not a bad thing to do. It's not that I think I've lost my salvation. It's just I want to daily do these things. Daily confess my sins. I want to daily confess my belief in Jesus. And I want to daily commit myself to following Him as my Lord. So I encourage you to pray along with me as I pray this morning. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I'm a, I've sinned in the past. I've sinned this week, God. I admit it and I ask for your forgiveness. I turn away from my sin. I repent. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross that I may be forgiven. Please forgive me. I pray, God, that, <clears throat> that my heart would follow Him as the risen Savior. I believe He's alive. He's risen from the dead. And I commit myself anew today to following Him as my Lord and Savior. Father, today we, we thank You for these examples from the life of David. Help us also to believe You for the impossible. The impossible things that You call us to do. Help us, God, to seek Your help and Your strength to accomplish what You, what you ask of us. We thank You, God, that You give us an opportunity to honor You with our lives. We pray that in all we do, we would bring honor and glory to You. Forgive us for the times when, when we seek to cover up our love for You or to cover up our commitment to You, God. May we let Your light shine through us. May we seek You first. May we seek Your kingdom first in our lives. And not worry about anything because we believe you're going to take care of us. We believe you're going to protect us. Uh, we believe that you're going to provide for us, God. We pray for those in our church family who are sick. We pray for a complete healing for everyone and a quick return to normal. We pray for those who are traveling over the uh, weekend, over the holiday weekend. We pray for safe travel and return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.